0: We're back on stand. Remember to share this episode with a friend and subscribe to this podcast. We're back on with Scott, who's telling us about his run for U.S. Senate. And Scott Parkinson, how can you win as a Republican for the U.S. Senate in Virginia?
1: Well, listen, I don't think that it was a fluke for Governor Yunkin to win. I think that there were real policy differences between him and Terry McAuliffe, that his campaign did a great job at laying out, and making the case for a Republican conservative vision. And that's what we're trying to do against Tim Kaine. Uh, we know that in Virginia, the rural voters sometimes think that their vote doesn't matter. Governor Yunkin, through the spirit of Virginia, is investing in a big way in the Virginia Republican Party, and we're gonna boost that turnout in the rural communities. In addition to that, the parents' rights movement has resonated in a big, big way in Northern Virginia, and it's not just in Loudoun County, but also in Fairfax and Arlington and Prince William and elsewhere. Uh, This is an issue because you have so many families that care more about the future of their children Mm -hmm. than a progressive ideology that has traditionally encompassed Northern Virginia. So we don't have to win 55% of Northern Virginia to win statewide in Virginia but we can't take 31 or 32% like Republicans often do in these statewide races in Virginia. So we're gonna fight for every vote here. I think that there's a lot of soft Democrats, a lot of minorities that are interested in the parents' rights movement that are ready to, to basically shun the Democrat party. And they also see Joe Biden, who has become such an unpopular figurehead at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, He's tied with all this corruption, he's you know, obviously struggling uh, with his own mental stamina, and I think people are, are very, very sour on the Democrats nationally. So I'm obviously hoping for a big, big Republican sweep in 2024, but whatever happens nationally, uh, I think is gonna be led by what happens here in Virginia, thanks to a lot of the groundwork that Governor Yunkin is doing and those investments that he's making Statewide, not just in the state Senate races for 2023, but in the way that that'll pay dividends for candidates like me in 2024.
0: I think you have some strong points there. It reminds me of comments that Democrat leaders in Virginia have made, uh, similar to what Elon Musk put on Twitter, I don't remember how long ago, that the Democrat Party has allowed people, leaders within the party, to move so far left. That it's detached itself from what used to be its base and as a result a lot of people who haven't moved like elon musk put this picture up he hasn't moved and as the party ran really far left he now finds himself being a republican because he stayed in the center and the democrats moved so far that the spectrum of politics has shifted And so now Republicans are now encompassing all these people who used to consider themselves as moderate or even left of center. They're now finding themselves in, you know, pretty much in the middle of the Republican party. Uh, It's not because Virginia has changed, it's because the Democrat party changed. And I think what you're saying is Tim Kaine's voting record shows that, that it's gone so far left, it doesn't really represent the people in virginia anymore i know nikki and i've been talking about that nikki you had a question that we were talking about that you wanted to ask scott too well yeah just to pick up on what you were talking about i mean the the issues that you're campaigning on i think it's they're so important because they cross party lines There are issues that whether you're a democrat liberal conservative republican you care about those things and one of them is parents' rights in education, we're in a situation now where schools are trying to get between the parents and their children, and no parent wants that, whether, you know, regardless of your political affiliation. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you would fight for parents' rights in education in the Senate?
1: Another great question, Nikki, thank you.
0: Um, You know,
1: listen, this is a really, really serious issue because I think that parents' are in the best position to make decisions for their kids than anybody else. But when I was a kid, I remember uh, the, the chief of police in my small town, Baraboo, Wisconsin, which is where I grew up. Uh, I remember him coming to the classroom and making sure that he introduced himself to the kids and everybody understood that a police officer was somebody you could trust. And the second person you were supposed to be able to trust were your teachers, hmm. you know, outside of the family unit. And right now, we have indoctrination happening in our schools. And a lot of parents, like me, realized that this was happening when kids were learning in 2020 and 2021 on a laptop, not in the classroom. Because many of us were working from home in the coronavirus era, and we got to, we got to witness firsthand that sort of education that they were being given. And I think that parents started to step up leading into that 2021 election with Glenn Youngkin, and said, hey, this isn't right. We want our voice back because we are the uh, defender of our own children and what the, what's acceptable to them and what's not acceptable. You know, I have a little story. My daughter was still in public school in sixth grade. We got her into private school in seventh grade. But in sixth grade, she comes home one day and she's totally upset. And I said, what's going on? And she says, well, you know, the kids at school were talking about vaccines, and, uh, you know, I told them that I wasn't vaccinated, and they said I couldn't sit with them at lunch, and I, I just want to get the vaccine. And I said, you know, um, I'm sorry, sweetie, your mother and I, we've talked about this. We don't think that the vaccine is safe for you. You're not going to get it. But I'll tell you what, if those kids keep talking to you about this, tell them to have their parents come talk to me about it. And... You know, the the uh, medical freedom movement, I think, is a big part of parents' rights. It's parents' responsibility to make sure uh, that they do the research related to vaccines, related to uh, mental depression, uh, you know, all the issues that I think a lot of these kids are facing right now uh, because we're basically a lost society that's— uh, Far too many families are are completely godless if we're being candid. And we need to have faith as an anchor in our lives. I think that it it breeds better outcomes. Um, And so that also means that you need to take charge of your family and make sure that you're going to church and, and, uh, you know, introducing your children to the gospel. I think that's a very, very important thing. Now obviously there's a lot of people uh, that are unfortunately having children out of wedlock uh, and, you know, we're grateful that they chose life, uh, but we also want them to, to feel accepted in the church community, and I think that that's also, you know, just something uh, that, that my church certainly focuses on. Um, you know, the last thing I would kind of say about the Parents' Rights Movement, obviously the LGBTQ crowd has been loud and vocal for 50 years, and at first it was, you know, kind of just like, gays and lesbians, and then you got the T in there and the Q in there, and you know now there's a plus. Do you know what the plus stands for? I mean, it basically stands for what they now are terming MAPs, minor attracted people, pedophiles. And I don't think that that's actually what the gay and lesbian community stands for. I think that there's a lot of responsible adults that don't want government in the bedroom, but also agree that children shouldn't be groomed. And so I think that's a big part of the parents' rights movement in taking back our classrooms and ensuring that they're sticking to math and science and reading and not, you know, indoctrinating kids on, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and CRT and all this other nonsense.
0: Yeah. Let's transition, Scott. It strikes me you're in the state where Oliver Anthony is, the singer who sang that apolitical farmer song richmond north of richmond he says he's apolitical um so as senator you're going to represent farmers like him and the millions of other virginians whose views are captured in his song so for those who haven't heard it he sings about um, how all these dc insiders they want to have control he wished politicians would look out for miners meaning in the resource development community not just miners on an island somewhere meaning jeffrey epstein's island Um, We've got folks on the street with nothing to eat and people abusing welfare. What's your take on this song and the DC Insiders? We've got about a minute or so for you to sum up everything.
1: Well, I mean, it's a loaded question for sure, but I think it goes back to 2016. Donald Trump fought for the forgotten voter. And Mm -hmm. right now, the forgotten voter feels like politicians, career politicians like Tim Kaine, have completely lost touch and there's too many of those folks in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think that Oliver Anthony and his music is representing that class of American citizens that do not have a political base. You know the song that that replaced as the number one song in America was Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean. This isn't just another one of those flukes. I think that there are a lot of Americans out there uh, that just basically wanna be left alone, and the big government decisions that have repeatedly been dominating our lives and affecting our economic freedom and opportunity, affecting our public safety, uh, you know, with the illegal immigration crisis, all that stuff matters, whether it's a small town like Farmville, Virginia, where uh, Oliver Anthony is from, a small town like Baraboo, Wisconsin, which is my hometown, or even a larger urban area Mm -hmm. uh, like Arlington, Virginia, and and Washington, D.C.
0: And I think uh, your point is taken, Virginia's changing. If you've got a farmer um, out in the center of Virginia writing the song that captures the hearts and minds across America, but really he's stationed in Virginia. And so many people resonated with those views. And so thank you. For having the courage scottparkinson.com for standing up and saying i'm going to take on one of these richmond north of richmond if you're interested in seeing more what scott's about you can go to his website scottparkinson.com you can support his race Uh, We can replace Tim Kaine, uh, one of these career D.C. insiders, with somebody who more reflects the values of what Oliver Anthony sang about. We'll be back right after this break. Stay with us and stand by on stand. We're going to talk about how you can support and stand by our military members in defending their constitutional rights. Thanks for being with us, Scott.
1: Thank you.